You're listening to Broadview Church Sermon Audio. For more information or to donate to this ministry, go to broadviewchurch.ca. How committed are you to being a follower of Jesus? If I were to ask you, I suspect that most of you would in fact say that Uh, you are a Christian, that you are a believer, uh, that you follow Jesus. You might even say that you are a disciple of Jesus. But what would it take for you to give it up? What would it take for you to say, it's not worth it for me anymore? If you had to make a choice one way or the other. So what if you were at an event which could well have happened to you, Uh, where people are talking and they are talking disrespectfully about Christians. And they're kind of talking down on Christians and then they turn to you and ask you, what do you think? Are you one of those? What would you say? What do you say? Or if in that conversation, the people begin to ridicule any religion, anybody that's involved in a religion saying, they're all the same. Those religions are all the same. It's just some pie in the sky. Somehow you believe in this something that there's nobody out there anyways. And they ask you, what would you say? What if in Canada, it should become illegal to being a Christian? What if we were no longer allowed to be people who followed God, who followed his word, the Bible that we have? What if in Canada we come to the place, and it could happen, where we are no longer allowed to make our gifts to the church as charitable donations? They're no longer tax-deductible gifts. That can happen. Uh, But what if it got way beyond that to the place where in our country it was illegal to be a follower of Jesus, illegal to be a person who followed God, who believed in God and who followed the Bible. And now because of your having had benefit of giving your tax deductible gifts to the church, that now retroactively for the last five or 10 years, now you have to go back and pay your taxes that you otherwise would have paid. Uh, what would you do? Or what if, in fact, they went beyond that and said that if you are a person that believes all this stuff and you live this way and you will try to impose that on their other people, that you now, in fact, have to give up all your RRSPs and any any savings that you have for your retirement. What would you choose if you had to choose? Now, I'm not suggesting it's getting to that. Just what if? What would we choose? But what if if it became to the place in our country that because you follow what the Bible teaches, you are no longer allowed to, as a person who would do that, to own your own home, what would you choose? What would it take? What would it take for you to give it up? What would you choose? Now, the truth is, we have to choose. We have to choose if we wish to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, following Jesus is not just a part-time hobby. It's not just a sideline. It's not something that's just a sideline to our lives. It's something that we become committed to. We either follow or we don't. Following Jesus has to do with all of your life. It includes everything that you are and everything that you own. 
we are now on a journey through the Gospel of Matthew. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, put forth some radically different, uh, a radically different life than what the world presents to us. And today we come to Matthew chapter 8. We'll be looking at verses 18 and following. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to that and follow along. Here we find some people that indicate they want to follow Jesus. Now Jesus doesn't turn them away. He doesn't turn them away, but he puts a challenge in front of them where they have to make a choice and they have to make a difficult choice. And as we look at this passage this morning, I ask you to ask yourself the question, what would be your choice? What will be your choice? Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 and following, we find where Jesus has just performed some profound miracles of of profoundly uh, impacting the lives of people. And this is that when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes of holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, Jesus was a profound teacher. Uh, He taught some amazing things. But when he taught, he did not necessarily teach by lecture or by preaching as we might know it. He often taught very significant lessons and very brief responses to people. And I thought often it was actually outdoors as people were there. And and so we're kind of in a setting, although they didn't have loudspeakers and cars to sit in and listen. And and we couldn't just sit at home and be comfortable and tune in to listen to him. Uh, But Jesus, as he would teach, he would teach brief lessons and very responses to people as it came along the way. And these teachings that Jesus had made quite an impact. And they were often recorded. And so we have those that we can learn from them today as well. And in this passage, we find several lessons on what it means to follow Jesus. What it takes to be a true disciple of Jesus. And the first lesson we have here in verses 18 to 20 is that following Jesus means counting the cost. And so we see where Jesus, he's, he, he sees the crowd around him and he, and he gave orders for them to, to cross the lake to go to the other side. And, and so this fellow comes to him, it says in the NIV, that it's a teacher of the law. And actually it's the word there for a scribe. There's a scribe that comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus has an interesting response. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, well, if you follow me wherever I go, you see, I don't even have a place to call home. You sure you want to follow me? 
And I can imagine being one of the disciples there and listening to Jesus and saying, Jesus, but, but this is a scribe. Here's one of these guys that we've been wanting to, to get to respond and, and become a follower of yours. Now here's this guy who's willing to follow you. Why don't you make it easy for him? Because if you make it easy for him, then maybe some of the others will want to join as well. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, are you ready to count the cost? Because if you're really going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you. Because you will then be leaving your comfort and your security. You see, Jesus left the splendor of heaven knowing his destiny. Jesus left heaven for us. He came to this earth to be among us. And in that sense, he was not in a place where he was at home. He was, as you might think, as being homeless here on earth. You see, true discipleship is not necessarily comfortable and should not be undertaken without counting the cost. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26 to 27, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so Jesus is essentially saying that you need to be willing to set these things and set them aside to follow me wherever I call you to go, to take up your cross, to subject all your relationships to following me, to give it all over to following me, Jesus said. So you need to count the cost. So following Jesus means no longer living for this world, but living for Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls us aliens and strangers. As we come to faith, as we follow him in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 11, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. You see, this world is not our home. And we are just passing through. And as it talks about that we're aliens and strangers here, as we have a heart set on where God is calling us, where he's leading us, as we follow him, as we commit ourselves to him completely, we are here only for a short time. But I wonder how often don't we live as though this world is our only home? How often don't we live as if this world is all there is and that's it? Even if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, often we live as though this world is our only home. For us to consider that, just look at how we spend our time. How do you spend your time? What do you spend almost all of your time doing? Is it in order for you to experience the pleasure of this world here and now? Or is it in fact to pursue eternal purpose? And how we live our lives, how we spend our time, what does it demonstrate in terms of what we consider to be our home 
Do we spend our time in reaching out to others so that they too can experience life in Jesus Christ? Do we take time, in fact, in this world on a day-to-day basis to draw closer to God, to draw closer to him and get to know Christ better? Do we take that time to worship him? How do we spend our time? What about how we spend the finances that we have? How do we spend it? Do we spend our finances? Why are we working so hard to get that money, to get the resources that we have? Is it so that we can, in fact, better our place here on this earth in our temporary place? Is it so that we can enjoy this more while we were here? Or do we actually work so that we can impact the world for Jesus? Is it to use it as Christ calls us to use it? Do we come to trust these material goods that we acquire more than we trust Jesus? Do they, in fact, help us to worship? What about our dreams and our plans? What do we dream about? What do we plan for? When you take time and and you dream about stuff, and, and some of us are more dreamers than others, but when you dream, what are you dreaming about? Are you dreaming about how, in fact, you can better your place here on this earth and better enjoy what's on this earth? Or do we, in fact, dream about how we can make a greater impact for Jesus? Do we dream about how we make a difference in this world in light of eternity? What is it that we dream about? What do our dreams tell us about where we have our heart set? Do we live as though this world is our only home? We are here only for a little while. So let's not place our trust in this world. Let's take our time and our resources and invest them in the future, in our eternal future, and in the eternal future of others around us. Let's not place our trust on this earth, which is one day going to pass away. Are we willing to count the cost? Being a disciple of Jesus means leaving our comfort and our security and following Jesus. But secondly, it also means that following Jesus means that Jesus Christ comes first in our lives. In verses 21 through 22, there is a disciple that says, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me first go and bury my father. And what was Jesus' response? That's a bit of a surprising response as well. And, and where Jesus was let the dead bury the dead. Now, if you're a disciple and you listen to Jesus say this, it may be astonishing to us. Say, what do you mean let the dead bury? This? Isn't that rather insensitive? Well, actually, commentaries, they suggest that what Jesus was actually saying here is that this person who's coming to Jesus, he is, he, his father actually hasn't necessarily passed away yet. But he knows that it's coming, and so he wants to make sure that all things are taken care of first so that when it happens, that everything is in order. So let me take care of those things first, and then I will follow you. But essentially what Jesus is saying here is that this person is saying, here, let me take care of these other things first, and then I will follow First of all, let me make sure that that I have the education that I want. And then once I have that education, then Jesus, I will listen to see where you might lead and then I will decide. Or once I get married, then I will consider to where you might be leading me. Or first, let me live a little bit. 
Let me live for a little bit first, and then I will decide whether I am ready to follow. You see, commitment to Jesus must come without reservation. Do not hesitate. You see, Jesus said, come follow me, let's go. And they left. The time to follow is now. He invited those to follow him and to follow him without hesitation. You see, nothing must come before Christ in my life as I am a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes even family and traditional expectations can hinder us from following Jesus. We know, Debbie and I know of a couple, they're, they're, uh, I would say, friends of ours. We, we know them, we're not close buddies, but what we, we're, we're good acquaintances of theirs. There's a couple that are missionaries in Thailand. And, and they've been struggling with, with various things over the last years. And, and on top of that, they've started to have grandchildren here back at home. And so they were here for a little while and got to spend a little bit of time with their grandkids. And then she got cancer. And she's been battling cancer. But they felt that God was calling them to go back to Thailand. And so in spite of all these things, in spite of wanting to be back here with their grandkids, in spite of having better help for her cancer here in Canada, they decided to follow where they believed God was calling them to go to Thailand and serve him. They were willing to say that where Christ is calling us, that is number one, in spite of what we might prefer to do ourselves. I wonder what kind of things get in our way that we say, let me do these things first. I wonder when it comes to spending time with Jesus, I wonder how many of us first make sure that we've scrolled through everything in social media and we've caught up on all what our friends and even people that we don't know, whatever gets on there. We've gone through all this and we've seen all those conspiracy theories and all the negative this and the negative that and and we've gone through all that and we've exhausted it. I don't have any time left. Now I gotta get on with my day. I wonder for how many of us that is the case. Or for how many of us, gaming is our life to where, to where we have these friends that we game with and, and we just don't have time when we're done with that. We have to go to work and then we come home and we, we don't have time then to spend in drawing close to Jesus. Or we have these favorite books that I just can't put this book down and by the time I'm done, I, I just don't have time yet like to read the Bible or to reach out to my neighbor or we get on the internet and we have all those things that distract us and that insensitize us to what God may want us in our lives. And it takes our first priority and our time and we have nothing left. Or in our work, we get so involved in our work, our work consumes us. It's so busy that we just, after that, we just don't have time then to, to spend in terms of reaching out to anybody or to spend time in getting to know God. We're too busy building our business to spend time and making a difference in this world. I mean, it's a perfect day for fishing. To get out on the lake, why would I get in my car and go to a parking lot to go to church if I could be out here fishing on a perfectly good day? I mean, you've got to get your priorities right, right? What are our priorities? What about our personal ambitions? 
What is keeping us from following Jesus first? I ran across a poem that said I didn't have time. It says, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish, I had to take time to pray. Jesus must be our number one priority. We need to remove anything that gets in the way of following Jesus. Then thirdly, the third lesson that we find here is that following Jesus means living your faith. In verses 23 through 27, we have the account of where Jesus then gets in the boat with his disciples. And as they're heading out across the lake, the storms come along. And you're likely familiar with the story where the storm comes along and and the waves are washing over the boat and the disciples are seeing this. And then they look around and here's Jesus sleeping. And they say, what sleeping? Jesus, wake up. We're about to drown. And Jesus asks him, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Now we might say, well, what a response is that? When there's a storm and so we woke you up, Jesus, so you could rescue us. Isn't that faith? But what we find here is that there is that fear that overwhelms us in the middle of a storm. That fear that we're going to drown and it chases out our faith. You see, fear can chase out our faith, or faith can chase out fear. You see, we should expect storms in our lives. As we live our lives, as we follow Jesus, we should expect that storms will come along. The problem is, in those storms, so often we start asking those questions, what if? What if? I mean, when you logically stop to think about the disciples as they're in the boat, I mean, Jesus is there. Do you think that God's going to allow them all to drown, including Jesus? When you stop and think about it, you say, well, not likely. But in the middle of it, they were so focused on their fear that they did not respond even in their faith and trusting that Jesus would rescue them even in their situation. And I wonder how many times in my life have I not been to the place where anxiety begins to creep in because of all the what ifs. I mean, goodness, over this last year, this whole COVID comes along and then then we can't meet in person and you say, well, what if? And then when, when, when when you try to do some things and it doesn't work out, you say, well, what if? And you wonder, will people ever come back? Will they ever respond again? And what if they find somebody else that they want to listen to rather than you on online? And all these things, all these what ifs can leave you in a place of, of fear. But Jesus says, We don't need to fear. 
as we looked in Philippians chapter 4, as we have gone through Philippians, where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can trust him and put our faith in him, and we can put all these things at his feet, And then we don't have to fear when we face these storms. You see, we can become very fearful about a variety of things in our lives. And in this COVID season, there's there's so many fears that can overwhelm us. For some people, can be so afraid that they won't get the virus and how it will affect them. For other people, they're afraid of, of getting the vaccine because of all the conspiracy things we've heard surrounding that. Or there are things of being afraid that the government was now trying to take control and is trying to control all our lives. And all those things that we can become terribly afraid afraid of so what did Jesus say we don't need to be afraid we can bring all these things to him we need to remember that God is in control and we can entrust ourselves and everything to him sometimes the storms will rage around us and it seems like we are going to sink whether it's storms in our families or storms in our business storms at school And it may seem to us that Jesus is asleep, but Jesus is very much awake and aware. We can take everything that troubles us and lay it at the feet of Jesus. He is in control. Even the wind and the seas obeyed him. Now, not every time will he, in fact, calm the storm. Not will he always take that storm away from us. Sometimes he will lead us through that storm. Are we prepared to follow him even if it means going through that storm? Even if he doesn't rescue us in that way? As I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think of of three fellows in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. You may have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where King Nebuchadnezzar had decreed that everybody was supposed to bow down to this golden image. And and, and if not, they were going to face dire consequences. But these three fellows says, no, we will not bow down to that image. We are not going to bow to that image because we are going to only bow down to the Lord our God. But they said, well, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into this, this fiery furnace. And their response So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What a commitment to follow. And that's what Jesus was saying. Are you willing to follow me no matter what? We need to trust Jesus with all of our lives, no matter what. We can only do that as we transfer our security from this world to Jesus Christ. As long as the disciples trusted the boat to rescue them, they weren't going to make it. But when their attention shifted to Jesus, then they were rescued. We also need to make Jesus our number one priority in our lives, no matter what. 
Are we trying to handle the storms ourselves or are we turning to Jesus? To Jesus to deal with the storms in our lives. So this morning I ask you the question, how is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with Jesus? Have you counted the cost? Is he your security rather than this world? Is he really number one in your life? Are you trusting him with all of your life and all that you're going through? This morning, I would encourage you. I would invite you. I might even plead with you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Take your eyes off the world and put them on Jesus. Take them away from the storms and look to Jesus, who is the one that can take you through that storm, whatever it is, and surrender everything to him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your absolute amazing grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you for showing yourself to us and making yourself known. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ into this world to to be here and to to live life here on this earth, even though it was a life of, of not being at home. But giving his life for us, that we might have life, we might have a future. Thank you that we have the scriptures, the Bible that has recorded Jesus' life and his teaching, that we can read it today and respond to the invitation of Jesus to ourselves follow him. This morning, as we gather together here in person or online, wherever we are. Lord, we recognize that you are inviting us to follow you. And many of us, in fact, have said that we will. And so often we struggle with that. And this morning, as we bow before you, Lord, as we take a few moments Lord, I ask that you would move in our hearts and lives, that wherever we are, that we would find the courage to say yes to you. I'm just going to invite you, wherever you are, whether you're here or at home, open your heart to Jesus. And you answer the question before Jesus, saying, Yes, Jesus. I will follow you even if it means stepping into that storm, even if it means leaving the security and the comfort of where I am. Lord, I choose to follow you. Lord, as we choose to follow you, we thank you that you don't leave us on our own that it's not somehow that we now make this happen, that we do it, but it's only as you are at work in power within us. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit into this world. Sending, thank, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit into our lives to, to give us strength and courage and wisdom and to teach us and show us and to empower us. And so even in these moments, we invite your Spirit to fill us and move us so that as we step out in faith and step into 
as we sang about, into water that is too deep for us to handle on our own. Lord, that you will make a way. And so we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.